Okay, since we're frugal firearms, we're going to start with a person who has their first $30 to spend. Would you spend that first $30 on a good flashlight, or would you spend that first $30 on a can of uh, pepper spray? Oh, I'd spend it on the pepper spray because you can get a couple of cans. Uh, you can get two canisters <laughs> of palm spray for 30 bucks, and you're not going to get a good flashlight, <laughs> probably for 30 Yeah, that's, that's probably true. Welcome to episode eight, number eight of the Frugal Firearms podcast. And today is a different kind of show because we're not talking firearms. Uh, we're talking non-lethal and less lethal options to firearms. And why would we do that? It, well, frugal is part of the name, right? And what's the most expensive day of your life? Ken, my co-host, tell us what the most expensive day of your life would be. The most expensive day of your life would be the day in which you have to defend yourself particularly with a firearm. Yeah, and why is that? Because of all the costs that are going to be associated with defending yourself after the fact. And Absolutely. This is why it's encouraged that if you're going to carry a firearm, get insurance. And and that's an upcoming topic. We do have a, uh, this is actually probably part one of what will probably become a three-part series, although not necessarily in consecutive order, where today we're going to talk pepper spray as an option to lethal force we're going to be having on a representative of one of the major legal defense firms. And then we're also going to be covering, you know, the fighting mindset for the street. And that's actually going to come uh, via a 20-year policeman uh, who now teaches martial arts. And, and this isn't a martial arts show, but the mindset of the fighter is still the same, no matter what the tool is, right? So we're going to be bringing on our guest who is going to be giving you information about probably something you haven't really thought about which is pepper spray, when it's deployable, why you should consider it as part of your EDC, and what the pitfalls are, because every option has a pitfall, right, Ken? Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get to it. So welcome to the show, Joe Dramisi from CCW USA. And we're going to be talking pepper spray and non and less lethal self-defense options. So Joe, welcome to the show and give us a little background, uh, how you became interested in this, how you got involved and in, in what you've learned from teaching these classes and what you want people who are never going to be in San Diego and who are maybe never going to be able to meet you in person or attend one of your classes. Give us all the stuff that you want them to know. Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Craig. I'm happy to be here. And um, yeah, in terms of how I got involved in this, I I'm relatively new, actually. I mean, new concern, like a lot of the people I talk to in the gun industry, you know, I hear they've been doing this for 40 years and all that kind of stuff. So I, I really seriously got back into it about 10 years ago and um, started out with handguns and um, got into competitive shooting and USPSA shooting and was doing that really every weekend, pretty much up to COVID until that kind of uh, disrupted things a bit. But getting interested in the, uh, the non-lethal stuff, where that came from was getting my concealed carry license and when um when i got into concealed carry and you know being an instructor and a teacher i'm always into i take a lot of classes i'm always trying to learn stuff like that one of the things that was um that i'd realized you know becoming a concealed carrier as i got more and more into that is that very few problems are gun problems um you know there's a very tiny window where you're actually justified in using deadly force to defend yourself um, but there's a very large window of things that happen that, um, you know, other things may be appropriate responses to them. Mm -hmm. And um, having some kind of non-lethal response is a really good thing, because like I said, most of the things you're likely to run into are not, you know, a gun is not an appropriate response to them. And even, you know, if we because we always we talk about, you know, encountering violent criminals, which is de a definite possibility out there, which is the reason we carry but there's other violent people that aren't necessarily criminals. Um, you know, if you remember the people in um, the people in school when you were a kid, the bullies, those kinds of people, um, the ones that used to fight all the time and beat people up. A lot of them mm -hmm. you know, didn't grow out of it. I don't know if it's a lot of them, but a significant amount of them don't grow out of that stuff. They're the people that start fights with people, you know, in the line and in and out. And they want to fight over parking places and things like that. And um, 
those are the people that you're more likely to run into. And those are people that are, uh, you know, appropriate candidates for pepper spray, really. So it has a lot of different uses. There's a lot of different things that happen that, like I said, a gun's not an appropriate response, but pepper spray is. And it gives you something between not doing anything at all and, you know, having nothing other than a gun. So um, then that's where I, I finally, I started to realize that as I, you know, found myself carrying every day. So that's, that's how I got interested in looking into that more. Did you ever find yourself in a situation where, you know, when you started carrying and there was nothing else in your holster or in your pocket, and the only other option was to either verbally disengage or run away that you thought, oh man, I actually could have used this, or was it more of a theoretical? No, it was more of a theoretical. I've been, I, again, fortunate. And I like to, I like to think I practice good situational awareness because, you know, the, the two classes we were talking about, the pepper spray class and the CCW next, next steps class, um, I spend the majority of the class, you know, telling people how to avoid situations because that's, you win every fight that you avoid. And, and that's what I tell people is like, you know, you want to be paying attention because in the case of criminals, um, you know, criminals are predators and mm -hmm. they do very specific things to when they select, you know, their victims, their prey. And if you're paying attention, a lot of times you can see a lot of times the things that they're doing are not normal things that everyday people do. And if you're paying attention, you'll notice that kind of stuff. And one of the things I tell students is, you know, awareness buys you time, time buys you options. The sooner you see something uh, developing, the more options you have. If you don't notice, you know, an attacker or a criminal until they're right on you, then your options are really limited. So the more you're paying attention, uh, the sooner you can see something, the more options you have. So that's, you know, really what we try to teach people. And I, I hope I practice that. So maybe that's why I haven't really been in that, that kind of a situation. I've gotten I've, you know, I've had the pepper spray staged in my hand <laughs> before, but I've never had to really use it. You're fortunate. Definitely. I, I took light, the right light rail system here in San Diego, the trolley system for 17 years. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's another thing I avoid. So yeah, that could be. And good. I saw pretty much everything at one point in time during those 17 years on the trolley. Sometimes it'd be, you know, your normal eight to five work type of thing. And, uh, sometimes it was coming home very late at night and I pretty much saw one of everything. And I was probably in 17 years, I were probably four or five times when, uh, people came up to me and began to threaten me. Um, but I'm generally speaking, a big guy, uh, you know, just over six foot tall and, and, you know, solidly built Craig would, would probably agree with that statement. And I, it, Oftentimes, this is when I was carrying uh, first my briefcase back in the day, and then my laptop bag. And first thing I would do is I'd hold my, you know, my laptop or my briefcase between me and the idiot who was trying to, you know, scream at me or do something like that. A lot of these people are mentally ill, and you don't know what the heck's going to go on. And sometimes in a, in a car like that, when you're in a train like that, you can see the problem occurring, you know, further down the car, and at the next stop. I would get off, run up to the next car and get on. Just as you say, avoid it because you win everything that you avoid. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you think about that too, the incidents that you saw, the couple that you just uh, mentioned, you know, were any of those something where you would have felt that, okay, it's appropriate to use a firearm here to defend myself? Um, I saw only one circumstance in, in all the time I was ever doing it where um, a guy came in with a woman and, uh, he was sitting down with her and he had a buck knife about, you know, four and a half inch blade buck knife and he had it out and he was, you know, rubbing it up against her throat and she was completely ignoring him. And I'm like, this is not good. This must be some sort of a, I don't know. It was a hostage situation. She wouldn't look at me, but I didn't think it was a hostage situation. I think it was just her involved with some really bad boyfriend type of deal. And he had the knife and I'm sitting there going, he's sitting across from me. He's about six feet away from me. And I got nothing. And I'm saying if something happened, I go, this would be the one situation. I didn't escalate anything. You know, I wasn't going to stare him down, like put the knife away or say anything stupid to him. I wasn't going to do anything. But that was the one time I could have told you, I said, I would have felt a lot more comfortable if I had something with me. Yeah. And we, we talk about that kind of stuff in class, too, because, uh, you know, third party incidents like that are 
you know, getting involved in that, there's a million ways that can go sideways, you know, yeah. whether that woman was a hostage or not. And that's, that's a big deal. And that one of the reasons for the next steps class is because, you know, I, I see a lot of people in the CCW qual class that we teach that, okay, they're the only, they're getting this concealed carry license and they're, they're the only ones they know that carry. So it's like, well, who do you, who do they talk to, to find out about holsters, about gun belts, about carrying with a round in the chamber, dealing with colleagues and family and friends, getting involved in third party incidents. Cause you know, we don't, Generally, in the qualification class, we touch on that stuff. We don't really hit it hard because we're only there for you know a day. So you know that was one of the reasons I developed the next steps class to talk about those things. But you know when you see something like that, you know what's running through your mind, especially if you're carrying, is okay. Do I get involved? Do I help this woman? You know what? You got to think about that stuff ahead of time. There's um there's an instructor that says your your mind what's it say your body cannot go where your mind hasn't been. What they're talking about there is, you know, if you haven't thought about this kind of stuff ahead of time, you're less likely to make the good decision or the correct decision under stress like that in the few seconds that you have to decide. So, you know, thinking about that kind of stuff is really important. And um, like we're saying, you win every fight you avoid. So, you know, if you can avoid that kind of stuff, that's the way to go. That That is an excellent point. And and it actually mirrors an upcoming show a conversation, a pre-production conversation I had with another uh, guest in the future who teaches from the perspective of you have to think through not just the reaction, but the planned action. And the difference between those, of course, is that if, you know, anything you do, particularly, I mean, Ken's talking about on the trolley, anything that goes down the trolley, it's going to be on a security camera. It's probably going to be on three or four other people's iPhones you know, or or whatever phone they're carrying. And it's going to be uploaded to Instagram and TikTok and things like that. And that's going to be used against you. And if you overreact, you know, disproportionate, you talked about, Ken, you know, the fact that some of these people have mental challenges. You just took out a guy who is known to have mental problems and now his family's sitting in court, aggrieved over the fact that, you know, you didn't read something that to them was obvious that was just a body language thing correctly right. yeah that that's where the danger but you know joe you said something and for those who don't know on the san diego county gun owners association website joe recently posted an article it's, it's a quick read but but worth reading I, I recommend it to people but you were talking about your students and you said they know that very few of the problems are gun problems as, as you already re- related and i want to question that for a second do you think that most Maybe your students are a little higher caliber, not to make a pun, but do you think that most people understand that, especially, and I'm not being critical, but do you think that that's the case in constitutional carry states where now people with no training at all are sticking a gun in their waist belt and saying, you know what, I'm the man now and kind of like I am the law and I'm going to go out and be the enforcer or the vigilante or I'm going to take care of business. And they really haven't thought about the consequences. Yeah, and I, our students understand that because Bill and I make it a point to tell them that. But no, you're right with the constitutional carry states. That was one of my reservations I had about that. I mean, um, you know, I completely support constitutional carry. It's your right to carry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was hesitant about that just for exactly that reason. Because, okay, people decide they're going to they're gonna carry a gun, and if they're not required to go to any kind of training, how do, you, how do they know, you know how to stay out of trouble, basically, what they can do, what they can't do? Because the laws, you know how laws are, especially in California, but, I mean, laws anywhere are not particularly rational. They're not logical. Um, they're not something that you would think, okay, that makes sense. A lot of times they're not like that at all. And, you know, I voiced that concern. We were doing the radio show um, one day and we had um, we had Ursula Williams, who's a um, who's a competitive shooter from Arizona. And then uh, Chris Chang, who was the um, one of the Top Gun winners, they were the guests on the show. And I was mentioning that constitutional carry came up and, you know, I was mentioning that I, I had that kind of reservation as a as a trainer, an instructor you know, that people that just decide they're going to carry, you know, I don't, that's, you know, something that made me nervous that they're not prepared necessarily. It was interesting because Ursula and Chris both jumped on me for that. And they said, you know, it's not your responsibility. 
they're saying these are adults these are responsible adults they're they're making the decision to carry a firearm it's on them to learn the things that they need to learn to do this responsibly and you know i was thinking about and i I thought yeah you know you're right and i actually feel that way i just didn't know i felt that way because like in, in our classes you know if we have um you know typically we'll have say 18 people or so in a class for the concealed carry qual and um and i know just looking at the class i know half of those people at least won't set foot in another classroom you know and for another two years until they have to come back and requal you know and i can't make people be responsible i used to feel bad about that and um but that that discussion with ursula and chris kind of straightened me out on that one because again i can do what i can do that's why i created these the two classes the pepper spray and situational awareness class and the um next steps class just okay i'm offering i'm offering the um the knowledge here i guess if it's up to you if you want to take me up on the offer you know i'm offering to give you the stuff you need to do this hopefully safely and effectively and if you ever do get into a situation you know, hopefully you'll respond correctly and you won't get yourself in more trouble. But, you know, you can't you can't make people be responsible. You can't legislate that kind of stuff. So that, that's kind of how I looked at it with the constitutional carry. You know much yeah. about how, how the um, the laws on pepper spray have changed over the years. The reason I, I, I say this is uh, I was Craig and I were talking about this. It was like it must have been about 40 years ago, Craig. It was back in the early 80s that you and I went over to Mesa College, I think it was, and we took a class on pepper spray, or whatever it was, you know, OC, whatever, or, you know, capsicum, whatever, at the time. Um, and and they gave us a card. It was a lifetime uh, card that was, uh, I still have it around here someplace. It's like 40 years ago. I used to carry it in my wallet uh, back when I, when I had that. And, uh, you know, I don't even know if they even require that anymore. I was just curious. Yeah, tell us about that, Joe. I mean, and to not just California, but can you speak to other states and municipalities? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I could speak to. There's several that I have personal experience with. Obviously, California, and you know, some of the worst ones really don't regulate it that much. Like out here in California, you know, anyone that's um, 18 and older can buy pepper spray and carry pepper spray. Um, 16 to 18 with parental permission. There's no license or anything like that required. Um, it is considered use of force. So if you use, if you spray someone and you're not justified, you can be fined, you can be jailed for that. As a felony or a misdemeanor? Um, I believe, well, it depends on what you're doing with it. I believe it's a misdemeanor for the most part um, because you can spend, it's up to a thousand dollar fine and I think a year in county jail. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to, I just had it up here too. I, I dropped it. Um, well, your article, just as, as a reminder, your article mentioned that you said imprisonment up to three years or one year in county jail. Three years to it, me yeah. sounds like a, that sounds like a felony. Yeah. And it could be, I did not see that when I looked at the, um, when I looked at the law on there, when I was reading the penal code and I'm not sure exactly how that, that may be the prosecutor's discretion as to how they charge that. And it may depend on what you're doing because, um, one of the things that's going on now is criminals are using pepper spray right and uh so they're using pepper spray to rob people so um you know if you use it in the commission of another crime like that oh it's an accelerator yeah that's probably where they can you know i'm guessing they have the discretion but i i can't say for sure um but even the um, other places like i grew up in new jersey so i was just back there a couple of weeks ago visiting my mom you know, I looked up the uh, the pepper spray thing there, and you can carry pepper spray in New Jersey, which, again, that's one of the more abusive states when it comes to your rights. Um, even New York, um, you have to buy the pepper spray, I think, through an FFL in New York, and they, they kind of license it that way. But even there, you can carry pepper spray. So I'm guessing most states are are not real um real restrictive on that because those those three states are some of the worst states in the country. Yeah. So if, if that's the extent in those states, it's probably not not much uh, worse anyplace else. So l- let me stick in a PSA here for the listeners. Misuse of pepper spray. If you are in a state that issues CCWs that you that's not constitutional carry, uh, those are adjudicated based on, among other things, criminal records and your character and things like that. Uh, if you end up misusing pepper spray, whether in a misdemeanor offense or particularly a felony offense, you've probably just lost your access to your CCW as well, because at least it won't be renewed. So it's something to consider. 
Yeah, and it's, it's actually worse than that because you have to, and something we tell all of our students, if you're carrying concealed and you get involved in some other altercation and it turns into an assault thing, even if you get into, say, just a fight where you're just throwing punches, for instance, if that happens while you are armed, even though the gun had nothing to do with it, you can be charged at a higher level for, um, for doing something when you're carrying. Um, my teaching partner uh, tells a story of, uh, I think the guy it was um, a friend, somebody he knew it was his son. And this was back in Virginia. The guy got, got involved with a bad woman. And uh, the woman invited uh, this guy and her current boyfriend over at the same time to see what she could instigate. And it, it turned into some shoving and, and pushing around and stuff like that. And the one guy pulled out a little canister of pepper spray, sprayed the other guy, and then left. After a day or two, being a good guy, he went in and turned himself into the police saying, yeah, I, I did spray him. And during the course of talking to the police, you know, he said he was a concealed carrier, carrier. He was carrying, but he didn't do anything with the gun or anything like that. And the charge went from a simple assault and there was some mandatory sentencing thing back there um, at the time. And because he did it with a gun, uh, he was sentenced to five years in prison for committing that assault while armed. So like we tell our students, that's why you, you have to avoid all of that stuff. You yeah. don't want to get involved in anything at all. If you're a concealed carrier, you got to you got to conduct yourself at a higher level than other people do. Um, because, and again, anything you get involved with while you're carrying, whether the gun has anything to do with it or not, can get you in more trouble, more serious trouble. What's your opinion? Now, we've been talking pepper spray, pepper spray, pepper spray. I'm going to ask a two-part question. Other non-lethal or less lethal options that you think are valid, and if not, why? And other uh, chemistries of, um, let's say, sprays. Not because there's not the well, bear spray or hornet, well, hornet. bear spray is I think it's just a concentrated thing in a big can, and the can's too big to carry in public because it's over two and a half ounces. I, I think that's the preclusion on bear spray. But I'm thinking like OCOS, some of the older formulas and things like that. I, I, if you can address that, I think the market maybe is all now pepper spray anyway. I'm not sure. Yeah, and the pepper spray is technically OC spray. I mean, that's what that is. Um, the law in California, they talk about they talk about mace and other other chemical uh, sprays, but generally, what most people have is pepper spray. In terms of non-lethal stuff, you know, the other big one you probably see are the electronic control devices or tasers, that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's there's the two kinds. There there's the kind that actually have the prongs that you have to touch somebody with. And then there's the the taser style. And I think taser is a company. It's a brand name. Yes, it is. But yeah. The style where it shoots the two prongs out, basically. Right. And the problem with those, you know, for the one, if if it's the the shocker kind where you have to get close enough to touch somebody, I mean, it'll work, but you got to get close enough. You got to get within arm's reach of the person to do that, which is not a good thing. One of the good things pepper spray gives you is distance. Um, you can deploy the pepper spray probably from 10 feet out reasonably, and that gives you a little bit of distance between you and the attacker. Um, the other thing about tasers is they say they work really well if you get two good hits with those two prongs. you got to get mm -hmm. two good hits. It's got to go through the clothing. You can't miss with one prong. If you notice, um, if you watch videos, if you watch John Correa's videos or any of those crime-type videos, when with police, when they deploy a taser, there's always, always another officer back there with with a gun as a backup, because, again, you know, it, it depends on on getting those prongs in a good spot. If you get them in there, they work great, um, which, again, with pepper spray too. something we tell people with pepper spray is it works most of the time, you know, probably over 90 percent of the time. But there are people out there that it doesn't bother. You know, and that's, you know, that's one thing to consider. I remember um, years ago, uh, I bartended for a long time at the Old Town Mexican Cafe. And mm -hmm. um, there was a guy in there one day. And back then I was gardening a lot and I'd grown a bunch of these um, habanero peppers. Mm -hmm. And one of the managers said, hey, why don't you bring those, bring me some in. I'll grind them up, you know, dry them out and grind them up for you, make a powder. So I said, okay, great. So I had a big bag of these habanero peppers on the back bar. And there was a guy sitting at the bar and he said, hey, are those habaneros? I said, yeah. And he said, um, hey, can I have one or two? 
I said, sure, if they're really hot. He said, no, they don't bother me at all. And he grabbed one. I gave him a couple. He grabbed me, just popped it in his mouth like a cherry and just chewed it up. It was great. So down the other end of the bar is one of my regular customers. And he's looking, hey, give me some of those. And he had a couple of beers by then. And uh, I said, hey, give me a couple of those things. And I, I said, dude, I don't know what that was that just happened, but that is not normal. <laughs> you don't really want to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me one. Said, All right, here you go. So I gave him one and he threw it in his mouth, started chewing it up. And his his face just turned bright red. His eyes were just streaming water. He knocked out two beers and a glass of half and half that I gave him. And, you know, the point there is there are some people that that just doesn't bother. The right. other thing with the pepper spray is, too, you got you got to hit them. Um, and that's why we tell people, you know, if you're going to deploy it, you don't want to like hold the spray out and say, you know, don't come near me. I'll spray you. Cause now you're telling the guy that you got it. And, uh, we'll do this in class with the inert sprayers. And if somebody knows you have it and they're trying not to be sprayed, it's hard to hit them sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're going to deploy that, it, it comes out fast and you deploy it and, uh, and you spray them because again, if they know they could duck their head down, they can do different things. And you got to remember with the pepper spray, unlike a taser, you know, if you get a good hit with a taser, the, the person's done. They're not going to be doing anything for a, a little bit. With the pepper spray, even if you get a good solid hit to the eyes, if they get their hands on you, they can do anything after they're sprayed that they could have done to you before they were sprayed. They just can't have their eyes open when they're doing it. So, you know, you have to consider that kind of stuff, um, you know, when you're using this. That's then, a good point. I, I got a question about, uh, are you aware of any dogs or other animals that, because I figured that the only time I would probably use a pepper spray if I'm driving along, and for example, I see a kid being attacked by a vicious dog or something like that. Have you ever heard of a, d certain types of dogs or certain types of, of other animals that are just not affected by pepper spray? No, it should work great on all kinds of dogs, coyotes, animals like that. And that's a great, see, that's another good reason to carry it. Um, because again, we'll talk about like in my neighborhood here, I'm out in Lakeside and there's lots of people walking lots of dogs out here all the time. There's also some neighbors that have some big goofy dogs that get out on their own sometimes. You know, if you get a dog like that, like I've got smaller dogs, I've got pugs here. <laughs> you know, if you have a bigger dog attacking your dog, you really, you know, a gun's not something that's appropriate there. You can't really use that. If you have a dog attacking you or a child, I mean, in that case, the gun would be appropriate, but you got to think about that. If, um, you know, if you've got, say you're walking a, you know, a little kid with you or something like that, and a dog comes up and attacks the kid, first off, can you hit, do you train, do you practice to hit mm -hmm. a, a small snarling, snapping target that's moving all over the place when it's like right next to a child or you? The other thing is you're discharging a firearm, you know, in the community, in a neighborhood, which is not going to be a good thing. Pepper spray is perfect in that kind of situation. Um, so, you know, it works really well with um, with animals and things like that. So it's, that's another good reason, I guess, to uh, carry something like that. You, you mentioned then going to the idea that you have uh, a child in proximity. Um, perhaps you're in a crowded bar that you already kind of alluded to. Um, and, you know, as, as I think you put it, this... Um, what was the term you used? You had an acronym for it. Uh, the general, what was he called? Oh, in the article? The, yeah. Uh, the GVA? I thought this yeah, was the GVA. Yeah, the GVA. Yeah. The, the, and, the garden and the, variety. Uh, A-hole. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so you have your GVA or two GVAs who, who've decided that, they, you know, they don't like the fact that you're looking at this girl who happens to be attractive and you're doing that anyway because whatever but there's also 10 other people around who are going to get hit by the cloud well it depends on the the pepper spray that i carry is a stream type pepper spray okay. um which is what you really want to carry um a class and you can carry the only thing that uh, california says you cannot carry is uh something that's a that shoots projectiles so you know they they make things that shoot pepper balls yeah um so that california says you can't have that but gels, clouds, sprays, um, they're all fine with in California. Um, but that's the idea with the spray, I think, is it's more direct or it's more precise, I guess. Your chances of um, hitting people around, you know, collateral damage uh, are a lot lower. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, hey, if, if you shoot a, you know, if you have a spray type, 
and you uh, shoot a cloud out there, as long as you get the guy that you needed to get, <laughs> I guess that's okay. Okay, now you've subdued, you know, these perps who are now behaving as if they're, you know, in pain because they are, and and the threat is passed. I'm assuming that the general advice is you do just like you would in a shooting. You call the police. You're the first one to call the police. They show up, and then you're going to articulate what happened to them. Yeah, and that's what I would say because again, if especially if you're in a place like that where there's lots of people around, you're for sure going to get videoed. Um, there's going to be other people there, and you don't know what other people are going to say. And it's it's unfortunate in our society, but people say all sorts of things now. So if you do have to do something like that, again, it is a use of force. It's not deadly force, but you did use force. So probably better for you to call the police, um, get on record that, you okay, you made the call. If they do show up, if they do bother to come out there, something that, that we tell students or that I tell students all the time is uh, CYA is uh, the thing you want to remember. And, um, you know, what CYA is, is can you articulate? So can you explain why what you did was reasonable for a person in your situation, knowing what you knew at the time? And that's what we say, even if you have to use a firearm, that's, you have to be able to explain that because the, um, you know, the laws like with firearms, they're not black and white. It's a big gray area because, you know, you responded to say a deadly threat. So what, what's a threat of great bodily injury or death? And it depends something, you know, for an older person, like if you have a younger, say a younger person throwing punches, uh, you know, you have a 25 year old guy throwing a punch at a 70 year old man, you could probably make a good argument that that was a threat of great bodily injury. Um, you know, a 25 year old throwing a, a punch at another 25 year old, you're going to have a harder time making that argument. You know, if you have two or three attackers, you can make a disparity of force argument. So, you know, it's not a gray area. So CYA is what you want to remember. You know, can you articulate why what you did was reasonable for someone in your situation, knowing what you knew at the time? How do you think you should carry? I mean, do you make your own custom holster with another little pocket in it or, you know, do you throw it in the in your pocket with your keys or yeah, I, what, do, know, what I, do you recommend for that? Because there's uh, an awful lot of, there's a big, big, big industry for firearm holsters and I think not much for any non-lethal options. Yeah, no, I haven't looked because uh, I saw that and um, when we were talking about questions, what we, what we might talk about today. Um, you know, holsters with another, you know, a spot for pepper spray. And I have not looked for those. It would not surprise me if they're out there and people make everything now. Um, for me personally, I would not carry the pepper spray near the firearm just because, okay, if you've got to deploy, say you got to get the pepper spray out. If it's in a compartment or a something that's attached to this, you know, the holster where your gun is, you're, you know, and you're carrying concealed, you're probably going to have to reveal your gun to get to the pepper spray if it's in the same holster. So what I do, um, and the two pepper sprays I like, I like palm pepper spray, which is what I carry. The other one that's really good is uh, a Sabre brand. Both palm and Sabre are really good. And um, they both make uh, the same kinds of clips or devices on them to carry. Palm, the one I carry with palm has a little clip that clips into your pocket. So like I carry my firearm on my right side, I keep the pepper spray in my pocket on my left side and it clips in. And what I like about it is I could reach in there and I could orient that in my hand so that if I can feel the clip against my fingers, I know it's pointed in the right direction. I don't have to look at it. And so I like that about the palm. Um, the other version they have is the keychain version, which again is another good way to do it. Um, you know, if you're walking out to your car or something like that, you should have your keys out. So it's a real handy thing to carry, just hold the pepper spray on your keys. And then that way it's in your hand already. Nobody's thinking you have anything other than keys um, in your hand. So that's a good way to do it. So for me personally, I don't think I would carry it with the holster just because if I have to get to it, I pretty much, I'm going to have to move my shirt out of the way or do something that's likely to reveal my gun or my holster. So I probably wouldn't do it that way. Are there um, situations that you have seen where either by law or just by wisdom, you think it's a bad idea to carry pepper spray um, that, you, that you would recommend against it for some reason? Um, for carrying, uh, I I would not, I mean, some, and someplace where it's probably not legal, like I would not carry it onto an airplane. That's going to get you trouble Well, right, um, right. going through TSA or something like that. 
Um, other than that, there really isn't any, I, I don't know that I could think of any place where I would say not carry it. There are times when it's not appropriate, obviously. It's not it's not an appropriate response to a deadly threat. If you're being threatened by someone with an edged weapon of some sort or a gun, it's not an appropriate response to that. But in terms of carrying it, you know, as long as you're not someplace where you're prohibited by law from carrying it, um, I don't know that I would think I can think of any place where you wouldn't want to carry it. And is bear spray a, a, a cloud version of basically the same chemical? It is. Um, and again, the thing with bear spray, it's it, it gets it gets back to that CYA thing. If you have to deploy it, you know, what you're going to be asked is, why are you carrying this this beer can size thing of bear spray around with you in public? It's like you'll hear people talk about wasps. Right? I hear this in class all the time. You know, wow, you could use wasp spray. So, yeah, you could, but you're going to have to explain why you did that and why you possibly caused somebody some permanent eye damage and why you were carrying that thing around. Yeah, if you're attacked in your garden shed and that was the first thing you grabbed, okay, you could probably explain that away. But if you're downtown going to a restaurant and you're carrying a can of wasp spray, you're probably going to have a problem with it. So same thing with bear spray. I mean, bear spray, you can walk into Turner's now and buy bear spray. And it's much bigger than the, what, two and a half ounces that we're supposed to be limited to for, for pepper spray to carry. But again, so, so there is a maximum limit of like two and a half ounces, you say? Yeah, in California, they say two and a half ounces is what it's supposed to be. Is, is that on your physical person? What, what if you have something tucked in your car door in your car, for example? Again, you could probably, uh, again, it's a, it gets to be a CYA thing. You know, why were you, why is it there? Why were you carrying it? Um, they just say using pepper spray as a defensive tool against other people. California says two and a half ounces. All this stuff is up for debate. <laughs> and if, know your uh, laws in whatever jurisdiction you happen to be in. Who knows? It might be three yeah. ounces someplace else and one ounce someplace else. You never know. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. The, the more you, you kind of go, the more you kind of bend those laws, the more challenging you make it for your legal team if it goes that far for them to argue it. Have you seen that the laws either in California that you can speak to specifically or just generally across the country are becoming more permissive in terms of, of pepper spray and, and other non-lethal options, more restrictive, about the same? Um, no, I have, I have really not seen all the stuff that I, you know, get to look at through the gun owners and writing and all this stuff. I really have not seen much on that stuff. I don't think many of the states are doing too much with that. Again, you know, I, I would look at where you're likely to see that kind of stuff is the most restrictive states. So just looking at California, New Jersey, and New York, they don't seem to be doing much more in terms of going further to restrict that kind of stuff. So my guess would be most places probably are not, but I mean, I couldn't, you know, I've never done a, an exhaustive search for that to see what was going on. Okay. I got a question for you. A another good thing to have with you uh, non-lethal is a flashlight a nice bright flashlight mm -hmm. particularly a lot of stuff happens at night and the flashlight can be a wonderful way to keep you and that in a loud voice uh commanding voice can get you out of a lot of situations okay since we're frugal firearms we're going to start with a person who has their first 30 dollars to spend would you spend that first 30 dollars on a good flashlight or would you spend that first 30 dollars on a can of uh, pepper spray I'd spend it on the pepper spray because you can get a couple of cans. Uh, you can get two canisters <laughs> of palm spray for 30 bucks and you're not going to get a good flashlight <laughs> probably for 30. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. Okay, so that's good. But a uh, flashlight, though, you brought up a good point, though. Flashlight is something you should always be carrying, especially if you're carrying a firearm. Because, again, you have to see. You can't shoot at something you can't for sure identify. Um, you know, and if you're in a, a, you know, a low light kind of condition, you can't just shoot at a shadow. So you you all you have to have a flashlight, and um, I carry a nice small one actually that's uh, that's really bright uh, by Olight, and um, you know there was a uh, place. My wife is a uh, retired educator; she was a retired principal, and um, back when she was teaching, um, there's a restaurant in El Cajon. I think it's Por Favor, I think it's called, but it was real popular for birthday parties and retirements and things. So. Mm -hmm. I found myself there a couple of times. And uh, if you're familiar with that area, that main street of El Cajon where the restaurant is, there's a side street just behind it where everybody tends to park. And um, if you get there when it's light, it's a nice little street. If you come out of the restaurant after it's dark, the street is pitch black. Uh, there's not a light anywhere on it. 
And um, the first time I parked on there and made that mistake, I said, oh, this isn't good because you're you're walking down this pitch black street. I think there's actually an empty lot where people hang out on one side of it. But a simple flashlight, you know, could help you avoid problems in places like that if you're silly enough to park on a street like that. Um, just by having the flashlight out, because people looking at it, they don't know if you're a cop. They don't know what that is with that flashlight. The other thing is, if you just have the flashlight in your hand, like you were saying, you can get a really bright little flashlight nowadays. The one I carry is very bright. And flashing somebody in the face in the dark like that is enough, you know, to uh, probably enable you to break contact and get away if you're in a situation like that. So flashlight's a great thing to carry. Everybody should carry those. Interrupts their OODA loop, and we can talk OODA loop some other time. But that's a you know, that actually we discussed that during episode three. That's a, that's a very important thing because they don't expect that. In fact, I think to your point, you know, if you really kind of want to go gearish on this, I think that Olight actually makes a combination uh, flashlight and OC spray holder. I think I've seen that. So you could kind of you know you think about a weapon light, right? So you, now you have your your pepper spray mounted light as well. <laughs> yeah, no, and they probably do have that. You just have to make sure you're you know which button you're pushing when. <laughs> That's an excellent point. You got I, I've actually made that mistake too because I carry the flashlight in the same pocket where the pepper spray is. It's just the pepper spray is clipped and the the flashlight is loose. There was a night in my truck where I reached in there and looking for the flashlight, and my hand came out with the pepper spray that I was pushing, trying to. Uh, trying to light something up. <laughs> and how much pain were you in after that? So that was good. Fortunately, Palm, the other thing I like about Palm is there is a cover on the button. So you actually have to slip your thumb up underneath to push this okay. uh, cover up to push it. Yeah. But, and again, that's not foolproof either. Um, I had come home one day from um, from the range. And I think when I was shooting, I just, I took the pepper spray out and I threw it in the car. So when I was coming in that night, I just, I picked the pepper spray, the flashlight up, the keys. I threw it all in my pocket and I came in the door and we have, I was telling you, I had pugs and we've got a little gate by the kitchen uh, doorway mm-hmm. and I bent over the gate to pet the pugs and I heard this hissing sound, this, this just like air escaping. I'm thinking, wow, what is that? And I stood up and I, and the sound went away and I bent back over to pet the pugs and I heard it again. And then I thought, crap, the pepper spray. And running out of the house and uh, a key or something had gotten into the uh, where the button was and it pushed enough of it. I don't think any spray actually came out, but the uh, the propellant came out. So uh, you do have to pay attention as, as to how you carry it, I guess. I wouldn't carry it loose in the pocket. Yeah, because you don't want to incapacitate yourself by virtue of spraying yourself in the wrong spot, because I don't think a legitimate self-defense against, you know, street crime is to incapacitate them by making them laugh so hard at you that they can't move. <laughs> yeah, so that's true. That's true. That's a, you got any uh, anecdotal uh, stuff for us? Any funny stories, things like that, either from class to the real world or something like that, just as, as we draw to a close here? Well, let's see. Um, what did I give you? I gave you my bartending story. Um, no, uh, you know, in terms of just, you know, stuff that goes on in class and things like that, it's... Um, you know, not, not any you know, kind of funny stories, but just trying to encourage people to to take the stuff more seriously and, you know, come up with things. Because, like, um, you know, what's nice about the pepper spray is it gives you an alternative. And, like, you get some guys in class, you know, they'll talk about, you know, empty-handed skills and things like that, okay, defending yourself. And, you know, I used to do martial arts when I was younger and stuff like that, and, and I was pretty good at it. And if that failed back then, I could also run. Um, but now as I get older, you know, those options are are kind of going away. You know, people need to be realistic, I think, about what they can do and what they can't do, you know, because you'll you'll hear instructors, well, you could you could punch the person in the throat. Okay, yeah, I guess you could. Do you ever practice that? You know, you look at the average person. I don't know if you've tried to throw a punch lately, but if it's not something you do regularly, it's not a normal natural motion. It feels really weird. When I was doing martial arts, we we threw hundreds of punches each week, probably more than that. Um, but now, you know, I, I did it just a couple of weeks ago, fooling around and that's not a, uh, it's not a natural motion at all. So, you know, I, I would want people to have realistic views of what they can do and, you know, what's, what's likely to work, what's not likely to work, what's unreasonable, what's reasonable. And now I wish I could leave. I don't have a good, uh, funny anecdotal story for you though. <laughs> 
Well, then then you actually touched on something else that was in the show notes, which is what misconceptions do students come in with when before they arrive in class, they're interested in taking the pepper spray class and they learn something that they never would have thought of. Yeah. And probably the, the biggest thing, I think, in terms of the pepper spray and the misconceptions is the the idea that it may not always work and that you do actually have to hit what you're shooting at. Um, because like I said, we use, uh, in class, you know, I give away a pepper spray to each student and I also give them a little inert trainer and we'll play around with the trainers in class for a little bit so they can kind of see, okay, this is about how far it shoots. This is okay. If you're, you know, I'll have them, uh, we get a lot of people like, uh, you know, it'll be a, a woman will come in with her boyfriend or her husband or something, and I'll have them kind of shoot at each other and, um, <laughs> you know, just get an idea of how that is. Cause it's not. You know, if you haven't tried the kind of stuff, like I said, I want people to be realistic about, okay, what I can do. Okay, I've tried this inert sprayer, and I know I could reasonably hit somebody at five feet away or something like that. So just, you know, having that realistic idea of what you can and can't do. The other thing I'll do, too, since um, it's not reasonable to spray each other with real pepper spray. So what I'll do is um, I'll show uh, one of John Correa's videos, and then I show another video. Of, just, of people getting sprayed so you so they have an idea of okay this, this is what you can expect if you spray somebody and you hit them so it's just i think the uh just the realistic expectations of what's possible what's not possible but you don't do them you don't do the marine corps thing of you know spray yourself so you can experience this <laughs> yeah i wish you know there's there's insurance reasons and things like that so you can't really uh you can't really even the classes i've taken i mean i've taken an instructor class with uh chuck Hagard. Haggard, who is, um, you know, one of the authorities on training and pepper spray and stuff across the country. And even in his class, he said, yeah, I'd love to spray you, but nah, we can't do it. It's an insurance thing. So, uh, so yeah, we can't really spray people, but we can show him uh, videos of people that got sprayed. I guess that's as close as we can get. Damn insurance I'd want to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Joey, got anything else for us before we close out? Um, no, that's about it really. Um, again, I would, uh, you know, thank you for uh, inviting me on here. Um, again, I write articles every week on, uh, on Substack at getagrip.substack.com. Again, so I would just encourage people to read that stuff because my, my whole reason for writing these articles and doing this and the radio show and all that stuff is to just get information out. The other stuff I do, I do for money, but uh, this, I mean, I do this for a little bit of money, but my uh, my main thing here, especially since I got involved with San Diego County gun owners and that is just, um, it's more of a, uh, a desire to get information out to people that want to learn this stuff, um, you know, have people take responsibility for their safety and the safety of their families and their loved ones, and then to do it right. So, you know, you don't get yourself goofed up and uh, cause yourself a bigger problem. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, th well, thanks for your time. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be seeing you down at gun prom, but I guess the other thing, I, I guess we did leave one question off the table, which I think is, is worth, you know, visiting before we close out. Most people are in our listening audience are not in San Diego. How do they find a qualified, what, what are the metrics that a person would use to find a qualified trainer? Because anyone could hang a shingle out and say, I train pepper spray, I train CCW, so on and so forth. What do you look for? Yeah, and I think the best thing nowadays is the old-fashioned way, is the word of mouth thing. If you can find somebody that's taken a class with that, because you know nowadays with the websites and the web designers and, the, and stuff, you can make something look really great. But you don't know. And the other thing, too, you know, from a student's point of view, unless you're really um, a little bit more experienced with this, is, you know, you've heard of the the unconscious incompetence, right? You don't know what you don't know. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and I would I would tell people, OK, at least, you know, OK, look on their website, see what they describe, what what topics do they hit in their class? The problem with that is, again, the unconscious incompetence. If you don't know what you don't know, then you don't know what to look for. You have no idea of judging that. Is that real? Is that reasonable? Is it not reasonable? Is it does it look good? Um, so I think the best way is if you can find somebody that's taken the class and or that's had that instructor for something, that that's probably the most secure way, or the best way to find a good instructor. I think I just did that um when I was back in New Jersey. Um, one of my cousins who she's got like a 40-acre uh horse ranch and she has big events there and she's got now campgrounds and stuff and she lives by herself and she just bought a, a gun she was telling me she bought a little uh, mmp shield 
and but she didn't know how to use it or how to do anything with it. She went, I think she went to the range once with a friend. So I had kind of connected her with somebody back there. I sent her a couple of textbooks that I use in my classes. And then, um, you know, I, I talked to a friend of mine back there and had uh, him. He gave me a name of an instructor that he says is fantastic that's right in the area. And uh, she called the guy now, and I guess she's going to take a class with him in another week or two. So, I mean, it's the it's the word of mouth. If you could talk to somebody that's actually had the instructor, that's probably the safest way. Right, Joe. Okay. Uh, Ken, anything else for Joe? No, that's good. Joe, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and we'll see you at Gun Prom. All right. Well, thank you, guys. I'll look for you at Gun Prom. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, today's uh, talk was very, very informative. I very much appreciate it. And once again, uh, this is Craig's and I' uh, opinion. We don't uh, play a professional on television, or we're not a doctor, or we're not a lawyer. We're not. This is not legal advice, but it is our just our personal opinions. When we're hoping you're enjoying listening to it, Craig. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. You know, laws change. Municipalities are different. Uh, people's preferences are different. What works for you, uh, even coming down to the how you dress, will tell you a lot about what your everyday carry kit can be. Um, what kind of threats you face or, or whether you face any threats. Honestly, the best option, you know, as Joe talked about, is just don't be there. And if you have to be there, try to get out of there. And if you can't get out of there, then, you know, go to something else. That Those are all important lessons that I think that, that people who just pick up a gun and shove it in their pants and say, I'm good to go, that they just haven't thought the problem through completely. And that's what we're here to fix. And like I said, we have upcoming shows and an expanding audience. Who do we have? Ken, did you know that now we have South Africa listening to us? And did you know? And Slovenia, something I wouldn't have expected. Some some English-speaking person in Slovenia has picked us up too. So uh, yeah, the 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 show's getting traction. uh, But but the way the best way to get traction, of course, is to drop a comment. Uh, drop a rating either on the Facebook page or in iTunes or whatever podcast aggregator you use. Uh, please send us comments, questions, things like that. The next couple shows are going to be product-focused shows that are going to be, we're not going to tell you who, got to listen to find out, uh, but there's a couple interesting uh, companies that we're going to be discussing. Uh, then we'll cycle back into some of the training um, aspects of firearms ownership we're going to keep this mixed up. We're going to keep this interesting, but everything is based on what's that first word, Ken? Frugal. Frugal. Yeah. Enjoy yourself and save money at the same time. So thanks for listening, everyone. And good night.